0: You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: It is a Friday here on the Locked On Utes Podcast, and we have a new segment for you. First off, we're going to start out with some news from around the athletic department, including a huge night for Utah Volleyball. We'll also introduce a new segment that we're calling Fan Friday where myself or Jake Hatch or both of us sit down with a Utah fan, interview them, get their background and their thoughts on the season thus far in the upcoming game. So stay tuned for all that coming up next. It is the Locked on Utes podcast for a Friday, September the 24th, 2021. Edition of the Locked On Utes Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Brian Brown. I am your co-host. Uh, typically joined by Jacob Hatch. We give Jake the day off today. He is out calling a high school game. Wanted to allow him some time to get prepared for that. I believe calling Fremont and Davis a, uh, a northern showdown. Um, so if you have allegiances up there, definitely go catch the Silver Wolves and the Darts. Should be a fun one on tap for that uh Jake doing the color on the broadcast if i'm not mistaken wanted to start out today's show with some interesting news updates uh from around the athletic department but before we do this is your reminder to tune in to the Locked On Pac12 podcast there's no better place to get all of your Pac12 conference news than the Locked On Pac12 podcast hosted by my girl Cindy Robinson uh i unabashedly stole that from her that's usually how she introduces the show uh cindy is amazing we have a great time on there we've added a few more uh co-hosts so you get locked on arizona uh, locked on asu locked on usc locked on utes uh, continuing to add to the cadre to the family so to speak so go ahead and follow the locked on pac 12 podcast on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts Meanwhile, the uh, speaking of adding to results, Utah's cross-country team captured some impressive results at the Dellinger Invitational. They took down five ranked teams with their win there Thursday evening. Uh, Ariel K- Keklak, uh, Emily Vetters, and Simone Plourd were the ones who paced the cross-country team to a huge victory Thursday evening at the Invitational, beating out five other ranked teams at Pine Ridge Golf Club. It was their first win since shocking the country when they took the Joe Payne Invitational crown back on October 4th, 2019. That season actually culminated with the best finish in program history for the women of Utah at the NCAA Championships. It's a great way to start the season. Um, I'll just read a quick quote here from Coach Kyle Kepler. He said, that's just an awesome way to start the season, he said. I thought the gals came out and tried to execute our race plan and stay with their groups as best they could despite the crazy start with a short run up to the first turn. We handled that well and handled a little bit of adversity in the front getting split up, but we found ourselves and found our groups. We didn't panic when we didn't get the positions we wanted at the start of the race and just kept moving up. And I thought about midway through, we decided to kind of make our move and held it all the way to the finish. So huge shout out to them. Um, as they bested a lot of good squads in this one, uh, finished first place, followed by Colorado State, Arkansas, Portland, Oregon State, Oregon, Boise State, UC Davis, Ohio State, and Washington State. That rounds out the top ten. A few other Pac-12 po- foes, UCLA finishing at 14th. Um, really strong result. Really strong start to the season. Hats off to the cross country team in that one. Another big. Story to talk about as the Utah volleyball squad scores a very impressive victory over number five ranked Wash or excuse me, number six ranked Washington in a five set thriller Wednesday night. If you uh, were tuned to ESPNU, you likely saw this one. Danny Drews was incredible, she was dynamite, she was incredible. Uh, Damn, Danny. Where'd you get all those kills from, Uh, is what I tweeted out. Um, I'm now realizing how dumb that was. But uh, she had 26 kills, two aces, two blocks. Madeline Robinson added 14 kills and one block. Zoe Weatherington, 10 kills and three blocks. Uh, Kennedy Evans had seven kills, three blocks. As the Utes rallied... um, dropping the first set 25-22, rallied in the second to win 26-24, lost the third 22-25, and then finished strong with a 25-18 uh, win in the fourth set and a 16-14 finisher there in the fifth set. A big, big, big road victory. Uh, Danny Drew's had one of the most impressive highlights I've ever seen. She's basically falling out of bounds and somehow manages to Hit the ball. So she's falling out of bounds, like, away from the net and, and manages to swing her arm up over her head, hit the ball all the way back over the net, and score a point. It was amazing. Uh, I think I retweeted the, the highlight. If I didn't, I apologize. But it was phenomenal. It was really fun to watch. Great environment. Uh, kudos to Washington for putting together a good environment. I hope that we can get one like that up at Utah soon. Because it was really fun to watch. It was a great match. Uh, very impressive showing by the Utah women's volleyball team and uh, Danny Drews with the bounce back. Just I, I don't know. For my money, I still think she's probably the best uh, female athlete in Utah history. I know that everybody else will have their opinions on that, and you're welcome to them. But for my money, Danny Drews is just incredible. She she puts on the show every single time, and uh, rarely disappoints. So huge shout out to. The Utah women's volleyball team for that big victory. All right. Before we get to uh, uh, our special guest, Tyson Wagner, we need to talk about one thing. And that's after a big match like that, I'm sure the Utah volleyball team was hungry. Uh, I do not play volleyball anymore, at least not very often. But usually when I've been working out hard or doing something like that, like they did, you know, and I want to celebrate with something tasty, I got to go for a build bar. And that's because I know I'm going to get the protein that I need 17 to 18 grams of protein. It's that good whey protein as well. None of the substitutes that the stuff that your body needs the most helps you replenish the, anything that you've lost during a game in terms of nutrients, uh, calories range from 130 from 130 to 180 calories, only four to five grams of sugar and four to five grams of net carbs. The amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. We've talked about them all. Uh, my favorite, Jerry Garcia. Uh, give the cookies and cream a try. Some people like the salted caramel. Uh, the strawberry is another good one. I really enjoyed the orange as well. Uh, I like to mix the cherry Garcia and the rocky road. That's kind of like a, a Jerry, cherry Garcia ice cream flavor right there. So um, you know, get get wicked with it. And I've also heard really good thing about the uh, protein balls. So go to built.com. You'll use the promo code locked 15 and you get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code locked 15 to get 15% off your entire order. That's built.com and go get some tasty built bars there at built.com back here on the locked on youths podcast. And we're starting a new segment called fan Friday. And I want to interview fans, get fans involved with the show. I want you to feel like you have a, a literal voice in addition to just tweeting and everything like that. So, uh, Picked out someone that I kind of knew better um, than most, but we'll continue to do this. And, I, and I've had conversations with some of you. So, um, you know, shoot us a DM at Locked On Youths. Let me know if you want to try out the segment. Uh, we would love to uh, get a list going so that we can knock these out in order and get everybody in before the season ends. Tyson Wagner is a football coach at Bountiful High School, uh, also a good friend of mine. We've gotten to know each other throughout the years. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about his background um, you know, how he got into coaching, uh, how he became a Utah fan really. And he has a really great story about the Sugar Bowl that I think everybody's gonna enjoy. So without any further time, here's Dyson Wagner on Fan Friday. All right. Welcome into our new segment. We're calling here on the Locked On Utes podcast. Fan Friday, where we pick a fan, sit down with them for a little bit virtually. Uh, you know, someday the Locked On Utes podcast will be able to afford a nice, luxurious studio. Uh, for the time being, we just do this all digitally. First one, one that's very near and dear to my heart. Somebody that I was really excited to to have out. Not a better candidate for the first one uh, than a good friend of mine, Tyson Wagner. Ty, what's your? Uh, throw out your uh, your Twitter handle for the peeps.
0: Oh, gosh. I actually don't even know it. I think it's uh, Coach Wagner underscore two. I'll have to actually look that up. Uh, yeah, Coach underscore Wagner
1: two. So there you go. Uh, coach, because, you know, as you and I got to know each other, it was, you know, a little bit of interacting here on Twitter. And then uh, sidelines. That's the biggest place where I think we've really become friends is you used to coach at Bountiful High School. And, you know, I think for a while there, we were actually. I don't know that we ever coached against each other, but I think you and I were both coaching uh when I was out at Cypress and, and you were at Bountiful. You coached wide receivers, right?
0: Yeah, I've coached. I'm still coaching there right now, actually, as well. But, um yeah, I've done running backs, receivers, linebackers, kind of been all over the place, special teams coordinator. So those are kind of where I've been.
1: And the best part about it is that you're currently breeding offensive tackles. Uh You <laughs> might have – between you and Tag Butler, I think have the two like you have my future. You have my my NFLers right there, my bookends. Um, right.
0: we've got you booked for the net in about four years. So I, can't I can't wait! I can't <laughs> wait! I can't wait!
1: I'm so excited for this. The next next 15, 20 years of my life are going to be great. I'm super excited about that one. Uh, what was it that got you into coaching at Bountiful?
0: You know, so I actually started coaching little league there um, with a buddy and his his brother. They didn't have enough coaches to coach little league. Uh, you know, so so we kind of just did that. I was helping him out, just kind of doing offensive coordinator. I was 22 at the time. And, you know, Saturday mornings are always free. So just started doing that and worked from that to moving from a B team to the A team to coaching with some guys that I, I still consider really good friends of mine. And I, I coached actually the same kids from the time they were 10 years old nine, ten years old, all the way through their senior year of high school coaching every single year. Uh, one of those is actually uh walk-on up at Utah right now, Dylan Brooks, linebacker. He's my guy. Um, but yeah, so ever since then, I, I've been coaching. This is my fifth season at Bountiful High, so I guess it's now been 13 seasons of football nonstop.
1: And let's, we're going to divert a little bit. I want to get to know you a little bit more, but that's a grind. And I don't know if people really understand what it's like to be involved at that deep of a level for that long. Um, because it's, it's no Saturdays off, like like no nights. Very rarely are you weekends. You don't go on any vacations. Like you and I are not going down to uh, Lake Powell for the week and going and hanging out on houseboats right now. It, it's, and it's 60 to 80 hour weeks, you know, on top of the day job and everything else. Um, Tell me about like I guess just your thoughts about about that that grind, but why it's so addicting, maybe.
0: So I I think my biggest thing with it is is getting to see, you know, especially going from little league with that same team that I was with, is seeing them grow from nine, 10-year-olds to, I mean, we have one kid now, like I said, who's up with you, another kid who's actually coaching on the sophomore staff at Bountiful High. And so it's just really cool to kind of see how they turn out as adults because, you know, not many of them, you know, like I said, we have one kid who's playing college ball from that team, and you know, the rest of them are just out going to school, going on missions. And and really you're you're coaching them in football, but really I look at it as you're coaching them in life. And the idea is to make them better young men and grown-up man. I guess when the time comes you know that that they're out there doing the right things and so teaching them discipline and all that kind of good stuff I think moving forward in their life is is more impactful to me I think than necessarily the football. Team.
1: The way that I would describe is if you're somebody like that likes home projects but you want your home projects to be human beings then go be a football coach right because right. like that is it is so much development you're you're I think the the addictive part for me was that, like, I had to be a better person when I was coaching because I felt like if I wasn't modeling the correct behaviors, you know, going to bed, eating well, working out, all that kind of stuff, how could I ask my players to be doing that kind of stuff? And, and you know, I think there's a lot of that that goes into it, right? Like, like you ask a lot of yourself, and, and maybe some of this is just being an offensive lineman in general, and, like, we just don't care about a lot, you know, like, other than food, Um, and maybe, uh, maybe a few, you know, bench presses here and there, whatever. Um, but like, I think that's the part about it that always got to me was, I always felt like I was a better person when I was coaching because I was trying to be better for them, you know, and not for myself and anything like that. And, and I think what you see is, is what you're trying to do gets multiplied by the things that they do and they find ways to surprise you both for good and bad that are just unbelievable and unpredictable.
0: Yeah, and, and it's so awesome on, on game day when you see a kid or when you see things from their perspective. And once it finally clicks, it's it's awesome. It's such a cool, it's such a cool feeling, you know. And being a new father, you know, I have a 14, 15 month old and then a five week old. So like I'm I'm seeing those similar things with with my son who's a little bit older, you know, he's walking around and he's finally figuring out little things here and there you know, working on his kick steps and all that kind of stuff. You know, we got him in a, you know, hitting ladders and, you know, pushing chairs around and stuff, you know, we're working on that drive, but no. (laughs) uh, Building that hip strength, getting those sleds. Yes, already. (laughs) Getting those uh, those little
1: tight sleds. Yeah, I see that they got those out there now, so.
0: Yeah, but, you know, it's just really cool. And, And, I mean, my wife isn't a big fan of me being away so often, Uh, but she knows how much coaching means to me and how much it brings a light into my life. It it, kind of is a de-stressor for me with life being so stressful with, with work and little kids and all of that. So it's a good release for me. And I mean, I coach baseball too, so I get the winners off, but you know, it's, I wouldn't change it.
1: If I knew anything about baseball, I would love to coach because I think it's probably as far as spring sports go, it's, it's, I don't want to say laid back, but, like, the the vibe of baseball is so, so much less. Uh, uh,
0: it's not as intense.
1: Yeah, it's day-to-day, right? Like, like yeah. baseball is day-to-day. Like, you've got two or three games a week, you know, like, you're mixing in practices. Like, it's more rhythmic. Like, football is so, like, get up, get psyched, yeah, two hours, woo, we're jacked, and then you're like, bro, okay, yeah. I got to recover. And then you're bouncing back. Like, like, baseball is just that consistent and just – like, I think calling it a romantic pastime is, is very accurate. Um, But high school baseball is different. Like, it's so much more fun, too. Like, in yeah. and the kids, like, mm-hmm. you get in the dugout with them and get chatter. And, and then that's that's probably the most addictive part about the coaching aspect, I think, you and I would both say, is, is working with the kids, right? Like, it mm-hmm. brings something sure. unique to you energy-wise. And it's just they're funny and they're goofy. And I like, they're so hard to describe sometimes, you know, because, like, you uh, like, like Unless you're around like high schoolers a lot, you really kind of don't know, uh, (laughs) you know, know how weird they can be and how awkward they can be and how funny it is, you know.
0: Yeah, it's true. You see it every day with a different kid, or yeah, and and there's always that one. Yeah, there's always (laughs)
1: that same kid. Well, there's the consistent ones, and there's always the one that you surprise them. You're just like, where did that come from? Like, I didn't see that. They're like, "Eh."
0: but yep, exactly.
1: Let's transition a little bit and talk a little bit about you know being a Utah fan what was it that got you like did you grow up as a fan what did you have a seminal moment
0: so it's kind of funny I've you know Utah fans don't don't hate me but growing up all of my family was BYU fans uh which I think probably a lot of you probably grew up that way (laughs) but uh no I, I think it kind of started you know I like I wanted to be different than the rest of my family and you know, I went to school there after, after I went to Southern Utah and then so graduated there, going to games, all that kind of stuff. And I, I was always a guy that rooted for the teams in the state. Like I've never been or had never been really in, against other teams. I mean, yeah, I want Utah to beat BYU every single time and I want them to beat them by 80. So, you know, so I, I guess that's kind of how it happened is just trying to be a little bit different than the rest of my family and, you know, be able to give my grandpa's trash talk and all that kind of stuff, which is always fun. And, and, you know, obviously going to school there, it's, you know, you kind of, you know, it's in your blood and all my buddies are Utah fans. And so we would all go to the games we drove to the sugar bowl when the, when Utah played in the sugar bowl. And so, I mean, it's been, it's been fun though.
1: Tell me about that trip, because that's a long drive. That's that, That's oh, not yeah. like a trip to St. George and back. That's what, 18 hours, 20, 20 right, hours? It was
0: 20, 22 hours driving. Yes. And we, uh, a, a girl we went to high school with, um, she had a Prius. Oof. And so me and my buddy Bryson, he, I think you know, mm-hmm. um, he, uh, or we were talking, and we're like, man, it would be fun to go. But, you know, we're college students, so we don't have a ton of money you know pitching gas or whatever and so it was literally like a monday and we left on wednesday and got there friday like (laughs) so it was so spur of the moment and like we didn't have a hotel we didn't have a place to stay in new orleans like we got there and like called another buddy we had who was there and he's like yeah you guys can come sleep on the floor in our hotel room and but it was honestly one of the most fun times of my life. Like it was something that we still talk about to this day. We talk about all the shenanigans that <laughs> happen in New Orleans on New Year's Eve. And I mean, it's it's something I'll never forget. It was it was so fun.
1: Yeah, It was crazy. I don't know that I'll ever forget that first quarter and just the feeling. It was just like an absolute flood of emotion and excitement. I, I, it was such a small section of the, the Superdome where Utah fans were at, but like at the time it felt like we were just
0: shaking. the Oh entire yeah. Ice. It was, it was insane. We, we were up in the upper decks. We didn't have like the best seats, but it was still, I mean, it was unreal. We were by we We're by a bunch of Alabama fans. And so they were getting upset. And so it was, it was a lot of fun. Like I, I I'd do it a hundred times out of a hundred if, if I came back to that, you know, and my dad well, I was talking to my dad about it one time or before we go. And he's like, it's a once in a lifetime thing. Like you, this may never happen again. And you know, football's changed. Coach football's changed so much now that, you know, it probably won't happen like that ever again. Yeah. You I know, don't know that the you BCS of- stuff and all that kind of, you know, with the playoff now. And so, yeah, that was, that was a
1: lot of fun. Yeah, I don't know that Utah ever goes gets an opportunity to go back to the Sugar Bowl like that, and um, you know it'll right. be interesting to see what happens with the college football and everything like that. Um, I want to transition a little bit now. So uh, uh, normally I like to find out like, did you have a favorite memory growing up or something like that? It sounds like the Sugar Bowl was probably it for um, sure. But let's talk about the current iteration of the team and and just you know because I think I, I think when you coach, you have a different idea and philosophy uh, of what's actually going on and, and why things maybe are a little bit, uh, not, not as easy as it seems on paper. Right. Like, right. So let's talk a little bit about the quarterback change first and foremost, and, and why I think maybe they would hesitate to make that change. You know what I mean? Um, right. Or why maybe rising wouldn't have been the guy, um, uh, just in general I think it, it's really hard like like have you ever had to tell a kid like hey we're benching you
0: um and not some you know not so many terms but yeah I mean essentially yeah it's, it's not an easy thing to do at all
1: it is not at all and 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 like it's twofold one because like you're crushing a kid's dream and you're usually doing it like if it's like a very heated moment, which is usually when it happens like mid game, like you're doing it in a very like not fragile way. Like you're just, you gotta go, like sit down, right. you're out. Like, yeah. so, so you're in. And and like the kid's probably crying. And, you know, like Charlie Brewer wasn't crying on Saturday or anything like that. I don't mean to it, it, it. iterate it, but um, part of it is that it's a very emotional decision that comes with a lot of forethought. And I think sometimes, like when you're a coach, you really hesitate to go down that road, because you, you know, that when you make that move, there's a good chance that you're going to lose the kid for good. Right. Yeah. And I think that's probably what Utah was going through is that they knew that maybe they knew that, that Charlie or Cam was better. And, and I don't know if you ever had any experiences where like you saw kids that were in practice, they just weren't quite there, but when the lights came on, like they were, Mm
0: -hmm. you know? Yeah. I think that's probably actually more common than not, especially with, I mean a high school kid right like once you get that adrenaline going you know people people game picks up and sometimes practice still so lacks the days of cold that you know you look at the way Cam played when he came in and you know maybe that was kind of that spark where you know he's like ah well you know it was really tight in, in practice and full practice and everything and um you know obvious obviously i mean wit knows what he's doing they all know what they're doing they're they're going to pick the best guy that they feel to make the the best opportunity for them to win but maybe like you're saying maybe cam was more of a gamer we didn't see that after what he played three snaps or something like that last year against sc and you know i mean he came in and i don't know if it was a spark that the team needed or whatever the case may be, but he he seemed to play big, you know, and gave that spark. I mean, I think that that game's a blowout if he doesn't come in, you know, and gave them every opportunity to win. And, and I, I mean, for Charlie Brewer, I think, I think he's the dang good quarterback. I think, I mean, you don't throw for 9,700 yards in the big 12 by accident you know, you don't, you don't do the things that he did by accident. I mean, he's, he's obviously got the talent and I mean, hindsight, you know, maybe is he kind of regretting coming here. Who knows? But I don't, I personally, I mean, I don't know, I may be on the outside of things, but I personally don't blame him for leaving, you know, if he's not going to start and, you know, I, because they still have to take classes, right? As a grad transfer.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So why am I going to sit in school, go and deal 60 hours, 80 hours a week preparing. Like I'm going to be the starter because you have to prepare like that as a backup, especially quarterback to sit there and not get the opportunity to play. I mean, who knows? Cam may get hurt, you know, knock on wood. Hopefully he doesn't, but how, why, why risk that if, if his goal is to potentially play in the NFL maybe he just goes and works on that if he's completely done with football good on him I mean I know he has those has had those concussions and stuff like that so I mean I, I don't I personally don't blame the guy and I, I I mean I didn't see much from fans coming after him I mean I'm sure there are people who are upset and whatever but if you look at it from a 22 year old's perspective, You know, what's 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 the point of being in school if you're not going to play? And he came here to play football, not to go to school. Let's be real about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, when we talk about loyalties, loyalties as fans, it's to the laundry, right? Like you're you're loyal to the Utah. You're loyal to the Utes. You're loyal to Rice Eccles. Uh, Charlie Brewer is loyal to playing football and that got taken away from him, you know. And we could talk for hours about, you know, was it scheme? Was it, you know, personnel? Was it, you know, stuff that they were doing up front? And, you know, it's interesting that they made a lot of, of changes up front on the offensive line once Cam Rising came in that they hadn't done yet with with Charlie Brewer, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, that's, that's all, you know, I, that's stuff that we could talk about for forever. Right. Um, but I think – you know, I think the, the bottom line is that he's he, he wants to play football and he's not going to do it here at Utah. That's the first part of my interview with Tyson Wagner here on our Fan Friday segment. Wanted to get the second half uh, of that interview on the other side. But before we do that, of course, we have to talk about how we're back and better than ever. No, not talking about me on the podcast. We're talking about how all eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100 from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. That's Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite
0: sports. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Wrapping things up
1: here on a Friday edition of the Locked on Utes podcast. As we close things out for the week, it's been a crazy week. Wanted to give uh, you all a chance to maybe decompress a little bit from all the wild news and the thick boyness and and everything else that's been going on. Uh, So we're doing Fan Friday. And the first one was... Uh, A friend of mine, Tyson Wagner, the first part about it, we talked about Charlie Brewer leaving, uh, You know, kind of what his role was and and why maybe things didn't work out so much. Next part of it, we're going to talk a little bit more about the offense and some changes. Now, Tyson's got a really great background because he's been a high school football coach. He played at the next level in college, so he has a lot of knowledge, a lot of understanding of the game, and he does a really good job of seeing a couple things that I honestly hadn't seen either or, or hadn't really thought to mention, I guess would be a better way to put it. Um, but I think you'll enjoy the second half of this conversation where Tyson and I break down kind of the nuts and bolts of the offense a little bit more. When you look at this offense, you know, tell me what it is that you see, and, and I think people <sighs> – the, the, the connections between the high school and college game are much similar nowadays than they ever were. You know, you talk about Dylan Brooks, and he's a guy that I always felt was a D1 kid. Um, I, I knew that he was going to probably have to go do pr- – go to a prove it situation somewhere and be a walk on mm-hmm. simply because, you know, he is not the exact prototypical size, right? Like he's a little bit undersized. Um, I'm sure most coaches probably thought he was a little slow or, or this or that or the other, yeah. you know, yeah, but sure. um, that dude was everywhere, you know, and I loved watching him play. And, and he, he was one of my favorite high school players, you know, when he was playing. Um, but like, uh, so, I mean, it's not that different, right? Like there's a lot more going on and it's a lot more in depth, but um what are you seeing out there with that offense? Yeah, I'm, I'm. I just lost my train of thought there. But what are you seeing in that offense that like either you like or that you don't like?
0: So I, I've, you know, I've, I guess talked to friends and what I've seen on Twitter and and whatnot is, you know, the, the offensive line is much better. And I think it. I mean, I know you're offensive line guy, and you know, I guess my background is backs receivers type of stuff so i've never played O line but i mean i understand it well enough to know that you know there's some blocks and there's some schemes and i think nick ford brought it up like you know we got schemes and we're doing stuff but if they twist and we don't catch the twist or they send two guys and they're knocking me off my block like you know that's things that you know i i guess you get out coached on it you know and so I guess adjustment-wise, I feel like there could be more adjustments. Um, I mean, Utah's a, a running team. I don't know if maybe things kind of change because they got a guy who's thrown for, you know, million, million yards in the Big 12 that they wanted to change up and get, you know, more of an air attack. Um, I, I think they're better off if they're a run-first team. And I think Cam brings that with his legs more so than Charlie Brewer. Um, I mean, they have freaking beasts at running back. Like, the running back room would be insane. Like, I I can't even imagine being in that position with that position coaches and, you know, everyone there trying to figure out who's going to get the reps. I mean, you know, Thomas was getting the reps and then Bernard and then you see Ledger in and then you're always wondering, like, oh, who's going to be the guy that's going to step up? And at some point, someone's going to. I think totally take it away, kind of like, you know, Ty Jordan did last year. And, you know, it's got to happen sooner than later if, if I, if they're going to pick it up, pick it up. And I mean, we have great receivers. I don't know what the disconnect is. There's always seems to be a disconnect for whatever reason. I haven't understood why Covey hasn't been seeing as much playing time. I don't know if he's nursing an injury Sorry, I'm just long-winded here. <laughs> no, you're but, good, man. I think... You think, know, I mean, Keithy is, uh, you know, if they... A first or second day draft pick, you know? I mean, he's such a stud and, you know, Kade is a stud and, you know, like I just have actually the Stan, the San Diego State game going on in the background and it's like you look at Vele and he's like, he's a specimen. You know what I mean? Like we, we got dudes and... So I, I just think there's just – I don't know if there was just a disconnect in from Brewer to the O-line to the running backs. Like, I don't know if it was something but, – but they're better than this. We all know that they're better than this. I mean, just the last couple of days, like, I was texting with you. I was like, you know, I was back listening to you guys' broadcast from the first of the season, and everything you guys talked about was how good this team is – you know, everyone was, you know, I think you and Steve had them at ten and two, and Cam had them at eight and four, and you both are could, you both could be right.
1: <laughs> well, I, I think Cam had it nailed on in a lot of respects. He talked a little bit about like the inexperience and in the secondary, and, and like we haven't. We have, but we haven't seen it, right? Like, JT Broughton mm-hmm. getting hurt. I think, like, Fabian Marks caught, caught, a, caught a few licks on Saturday. It is what it is. Like, I think the most disappointing part about it is the safety play. Um, mm-hmm. and, and if I'm really being honest here, I think a lot of what we've seen from Utah over the years is just, like, so much man, so much man, so much man. Um, and that's, I think, is a defensive back. It, like, it kind of lulls you into a certain, like, mindset, right? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think, you know, as a wide receiver, like, you, you – I think it's more difficult the more variety of coverage you play, right? And and I for think sure. I like, I think for that's sure. where Utah's kinda like gone up against the wall a little bit. They played more zone last year and I think they had some more success in turning the ball over. Like man is great for pressure. Um, you know, and, and I know that they need to go cover three a little bit more for the run support, but like you want to make the, the, the job of the wide receiver that much more difficult and, and and in turn the quarterback. And I think teams are doing that to Utah. You know, like we've mm-hmm. seen them go drop eight and do zone and man and everything like that. And BYU did a good job of it. San Diego State did a good job of it. And they're not evolving the scheme to match that. You know what
0: I mean? Yep. Yep. Well, and I mean, if you just watch San Diego State and BYU and, and the run blitzes and the pass blitzes that they're sending, I mean, if they can't figure it out, it's going to be a real long year. Yeah.
1: And and that's the big part about it is you've got to put hesitation in the defender. You know what I mean? Right. Whether it's th- through actual QB run, whether it's through rising scrambling, you know, and sometimes that can give like the other thing, too, is I think uh, confidence is such a massive part of playing football, you know? Absolutely. And and if you don't really have good confidence while you're out there playing, like I think Devon Bailey is a guy, like you said, like athletically, everything is there. Looks the part, runs the part. Routes are all the part. And then when it comes time to catch the ball, he's, he's dropping it.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or, yeah. or
1: bobbling it. And I think confidence for him is a big factor.
0: Yeah. And and confidence, you know, I, I think that – I mean, that obviously comes with, like we are saying, you know, you can be a practice guy or you can be a game guy. And what are you? You know, everyone, everyone who has that stature, who's getting a scholarship, two, three, four, five-star athlete, you're going to show out in high school. You know, because you're playing against guys who are now in college trying to get a communications or business degree. You know <laughs> what I mean? You're not, yeah, you're not playing against a bunch of dudes who are going D one. I mean, I get it. Like, right, like uh, different states, there's more guys, but in in relative terms, you're playing against guys who are nowhere near as athletic as you, and so it's easy to show out, and it's easy to put a highlight tape out because you're showing four plays from one game. What did you do the other 45 plays you were in? Did you just lollygag or did you drop six passes?
1: Yeah. You know, yeah.
0: I mean, I know recruiting is a lot more than just looking at highlight tapes, but so, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know, I guess, offensive line schemes good enough for, or what, what things are, but I think once that gels, I mean, we all know if, if you've played or understand the game, decent enough that you win and lose by your O line. You know, you can have like I I talk about it at at high school when our, you know, our line isn't doing as good as it is. And it's like, you know, guys, we could have Adrian Peterson in his prime back there, but if our running backs are getting hit three yards back in the field or dang near getting the ball taken from the quarterback because they're in there so fast, it doesn't matter who's back there. Yeah. So you you win and lose by your your O line and do they get A lot of the heat do the quarterback in the whole line probably get the most heat out of anybody uh, when it comes to positions probably and it's probably well deserved because you know you got to be the guy yeah you know and and the line has to work five guys has to work as one otherwise it doesn't work
1: yeah And, and I think that's well, and, and, and protection is really a fascinating part of it, too, because I think it's, it, you know, you can speak to the running back aspect of the running backs are dependent upon the offensive lineman to do the right assignment, right? So that they know right. who to pick up when they're coming in, you know, and, and the running back's dependent on the quarterback to identify the right guy for them, right?
0: Yep. And
1: so you'll see that a lot of times when you'll see the running back shift from one side to the other or whatever they're doing. Sometimes it's protection related, uh, sometimes they're trying to get the right balance in terms of numbers. Things like that. Like you yeah. and I could go back and forth on that kind of stuff for, <laughs> for hours.
0: Yeah.
1: Um but I think it's that's really the the, the cohesiveness, like wide receivers can't do their job downfield and get open if the quarterback doesn't have time, you know, and the quarterback can't throw to the wide receivers uh if, if he doesn't have time and it really is this catalyst up front. Now, I think there is a, a a point to be made where it's like, you know, if I get the ball out in another two seconds, you know, when, you know, we're running short stuff. Like, I, I love that they went five wide the very first play for Cam, just ran all curls. Super yeah, simple route.
0: I, I was just going to say that. Quick game stuff is what they need to do. You know, hitches, you know, what we call ditch, you know, double hitches or hitches outside. Yep. Whatever it is, like quick game, you know, run full screens, run, you know, swing routes. I mean, maybe throw in a halfback screen every once in a while or, you know, something like that. I mean – I'm sure they've ran it. I can't think of it off the top of my head. But when they're bringing pressure like that, you got to slow them down somehow. And five step drops and getting it done. You know, so I don't know if it's, I mean, even Brewer was hitting seven step drops sometimes and he was still getting pressure on him. Like, yeah, how well, against Weber State? Yeah. You know,
1: and, like, and the, that's, I think, a big problem that Utah's had with the passing game overall is it's so much of it is downfield, right? They want to work that that mid to, to, to deep yardage, right. you know, a lot of those deeper routes. And it just takes time to develop, which is great if the run game's cooking and you can go off a of play action. Right. Yep. Um, the problem is, is that they just like, they need to find more ways to run the ball other than just inside zone and under center handoffs. You know what I mean? Right. And, and like, we've heard it in the past that you can run the ball with, with swing passes and things like that. And I think to your point, like we haven't seen a lot of Britton Covey. Why not?
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, get him on fly sweeps and, you know, the jet sweeps and, you know, where's the reverse pass? You know, why not throw something fun in there to mix things up? I get it. It's it's college, so there's more to it than just being fun. But, like, I mean, I, I know – I mean, I only played a year and redshirted in college football, but we're all still kids. We all want to do fun plays and have fun with things, you know, and, you know, throwing something out like that is – I mean, I don't know. I I think Utah's really good at that kind of stuff, you know. And so uh, you got to find what you're good at, and I think it goes all the way down to. I mean, even coaching little you have to figure out what your team's good at. And yeah, you can be good against the scout team, but what plays are going to work against other the other eleven guys who are on scholarships, not just your own guys. And I don't, I I think there's adjustments that probably need to be made. And and that's like college coaches get paid to make adjustments. It's, you know, it's not uh, necessarily the day-to-day thing, but it's the adjustments and, you know, whatever adjustments they made when Cam came in seemed to work. And hopefully that continues, you know, with Washington state and forward on.
1: Yeah, for sure, and and I think you know the adjustments aspect of it is so, is so important uh, because I think if you get too predictable, too repetitive, we see basically. I think you made the really the the best point you made is like having fun is such a critical part about it because the rest of football sucks. Like like running sucks, <laughs> lifting sucks, practice really sucks, and and unless yeah. you've done it every single day, I don't think people realize like how brutal it is on your body and how hard and and like. The damage that you have to withstand, like, uh like think about the last time you fell, like you just straight up fell and hit the ground, like, like for me, like it took me a solid like five minutes to get back up again, and you're yeah. doing that like every single time, like, like continuously for two, three hours. So against like, another guy who's
0: coming in and full speed, who two seventy and runs a four six four.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's just insanity, and so like I think sometimes we because. We just watch these games. We forget how physical they are and how how draining it is. But but the part about the fun is so important because you look at what BYU is doing. They're having a lot of fun with their offense, right? Like they're doing some right. fun stuff. Uh, the offensive line are having fun with that wide zone concept, and and they're doing some fun you know variations off of it where they're doing a wash backside and allowing Algier to get up field and. And be what he does, and and I watched that game, and I don't think that San Diego State did a whole lot of stuff that was fun with their offense. But the few times that they did, they had some successes with it. You know, the, the yeah. f- modified Philly special there that kind of ended things. You know.
0: <laughs> right. Um,
1: so I, I, you know, it's I think it is a very critical part about it, and I think. You know, the the variety. You've got some ballers on this team. You know, you, you mentioned For just sure. the running backs alone. Like those are all dudes that came from big time programs that had big time roles and, and and played in systems where they did fun stuff. Like TJ Pleasure's gotta be sitting here thinking, like this like why This did is I so vanilla. You?
0: Yeah. Yeah, this, yeah. yeah. That so came from just... Lincoln Riley to <laughs> to this? Like, come on, man.
1: I came from the run game guru who, who runs the best spread run games on the planet. You know, scheme wise to uh, inside zone handoffs. Mm.
0: Yeah, like we're not we're it's pretty vanilla. Like we do more stuff. I feel like the at high school level than what what I've seen. You know,
1: hundred percent. And and I I understand that you have to solidify your basics, but um you know you've been doing the same basics for the last four years. Uh, at some point you've got to mix things up a little bit. And, and that's right. the biggest thing that I'm seeing from them right now. Um, we could literally go all night because we have before. Um, I want to get <laughs> your predictions for the game on Saturday. What do you think? How do you think things play out?
0: Well, I I think Utah gets back in the wind column. Um, I think it's probably going to be closer, I think, than what most Utah, Utah fans would like with it being Washington State. But I, I think – Cam comes out, has a great game. I think the the team is inspired, ready to go. They're back at home after two tough losses. I I think they come out guns a blazing. I I think, you know, they get up early. Uh, Hopefully, I mean, I think they'll hold on. Uh, I'm going to say maybe like a 38-24 type game where they get up pretty big and, you know, Washington State scores more towards the end of the game to make it a little bit more – uh, I guess. Tight. A closer. Yeah. A little more tight. Uh, but I think it's still a, a fairly easy win in a sense, but, but not, I think, I think Utah fans are going to be on the edge of their seat the whole time because, you know, if, if one bad thing goes wrong, it's, it's going to be like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be I, like, I, Oh no. I, yeah. And I, and I hope fans realize that. Yeah. I mean, as frustrated as you are, they're, a thousand times more frustrated than you
1: and it's a different kind of frustration right like it's it's yeah uh, yeah it's it's not the helpless frustration that you feel as a fan it's the frustration of like i i want this to, to happen and it's not happening
0: yeah and so hopefully you know there's no boo birds or anything like that and you know there's still young kids trying to play a game for our entertainment and
1: the biggest you know, thing so. yeah the biggest thing i think is that this is still a work in progress with this team right like so we may see some improvement we should see some improvement on saturday just without a doubt i think we saw improvement in the san diego state game from quarter to quarter even you know which right. was you know uh as bad as it was in the first half like it was good to see that kind of steady and, and improve you know bit by bit um it's not going to be a complete picasso Uh, On Saturday, yeah. So, so pick the good moments, and then understand that they'll learn from the bad moments. And especially with Cam Rising, so if he throws an interception or two, don't don't throw your hands up and say, "Do we not have a single quarterback?" We we do. The guy's back there, but he's not going to be perfect, you know, right out the shoot. And I know that the fourth quarter was fun for everybody, but like, he's going to have some things that he does that are going to frustrate us. We just don't know what those are yet. So be on. Well,
0: yeah, we haven't seen him play. We don't we don't really know his play style. You know, is he? I mean, in the fourth quarter, he was slinging it around, you know, that the the go route down the sideline to the Dixon, I believe it was. Yeah. I mean, that was a beautiful play. And you're like, oh, first, oh, I guess we're going to throw a touchdown first play overtime. All right. Like, yeah. I respect that, you know, like that doesn't happen. I've watched so many overtime games. and <laughs> Nobody ever goes for the end zone on the first play, you know.
1: No, and I, I thought, like, that was the best part about his his whole thing was this. he was decisive. He wasn't questioning, you know, his body language was really positive. And I think that that's a great way to come into a game. And, and now you know how that feels. You can carry it over. You can yep. look back at it and be like, I had a ton of success playing like that. That's just what I need to do, you know. And
0: mm-hmm. I think the,
1: uh, the uh, you know, he was starting to fill that out a little bit in USC. You could see he was nervous, you know, right up until he got injured. Um, right. So. Well, man, this was a lot of fun. Uh, we'll have to figure out a way to do this again. Um, yeah, and and for sure. uh, you know, I appreciate you coming on and, and kicking off the segment.
0: so. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Yeah. Go, Utes.
1: All righty, there you have it. Our very first ever Fran oh, Fan Friday. Fran Friday. I think we'll pass on Fran Friday and stick with Fan Friday for sure. Uh hope you enjoyed that. Like I said, if you have a desire to be on the podcast or or you know get an interview in with myself or Jake or or you know you know maybe we'll add Lundy or whoever else who knows who knows who else will show up uh, let us know uh, DM us at locked on Utes you can send us an email locked at gmail.com uh, Jacob and I are both on Twitter at Brown bear SLC at Jacob C hatch um, so hit us up on there thank you again as always for listening uh, it's a pleasure to do this and I appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, as always, be well, stay well, do well. This has been the Locked On Utes podcast for September 24th, 2021. We'll talk to you again on Monday.